0: Continuing on uh, through First John, as I said at the beginning of the night, um, this essay written to the, the Johannine or Johannine, you can say it either way, a community of churches that are currently going through a painful schism and members of one of the factions have already left the church completely. Those remaining are reeling and they're wondering um, what it means to actually follow Jesus and how they can know if they're on the right path. They're asking, is there a way for us to know if we should follow those who have left the church or should, fo- should we follow the people who have remained behind? Um, the author of this letter seeks to bring unity back to the church by reminding and encouraging uh, their readers what the essence of following Jesus is and what that looks like as it manifests in our lives. Uh, if you haven't heard the previous two talks of this series and if you have time this week, go back and watch and or listen, um, they'll help fill in some of the gaps that you might have tonight. Oh, and if you missed it at the beginning of the night, the question that I'd like you to respond to is, um, can you share a time when you witness someone in this community reflecting the love of God in their actions toward you or someone else? As always, if you would respond uh, in the chat as soon as you think of something, and we'll take a look at your answers here in a few minutes. Uh, but first, let's jump into the section of 1 John that, that is our focus tonight. This is 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. The way we know we've been transferred from death to life is that we love our brothers and sisters. Anyone who doesn't love is as good as dead. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know very well that eternal life and murder don't go together. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears and you made it disappear. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly living in God's reality. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So John, or whoever this uh, Johannine author is, has been talking to us about the difference between following Jesus and not following Jesus. The difference between walking in the light and stumbling in the dark. Um, How can we know whether we're on the right path? How can we know if we're truly following Jesus? For the author of this letter, it all comes down to the evidence of our actions. Are we keeping Jesus's commands or not? Well, what are Jesus's commands? What does Jesus command us to do? The author starts getting into the nitty gritty of that here in this passage that we just read. One of Jesus's central commands, if not his most central command to his disciples is found not in this book of first John, but in the gospel of John chapter 15, where Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another, even as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down their life for their friends. So the author of this letter takes this command seriously and says to their readers, one way for you to know whether you're following Jesus or not is this simple test. Do you love your brothers and sisters? Love is the fruit of the spirit. As we talked about for most of the summer, it's the natural outcome. It's the essential result. It's it's the key characteristic of a heart that is following Jesus. So if you're doing that, if you're following Jesus, if you're walking in the light, and there should be a key character, that love should be a key characteristic of your posture towards others. Following Jesus should affect every relationship in your life how you treat your significant other, how you treat uh, your family, your kids, your roommates, your friends, your co workers, your neighbors, everyone that you encounter, from best friends to complete strangers. The author of this book makes it clear what they're talking about goes beyond ideas. This has to become concrete reality. Following Jesus doesn't simply result in lots of flowery ideas and words about love, or at least not just that. Following Jesus should result in love in action, not just talking about it, but following your words up with actions. Love in action is, as Jesus said, laying down your life for others. But This doesn't have to mean literally dying for someone. Although it does mean that laying your life down for someone is putting someone before yourself. As the author of first John alludes to love in action so often takes the form of generosity. Seeing someone in need and using any resources we have to meet that need, that's love in action. If you see a brother or sister in need and you have the resources to help meet that need, but you do nothing, then you don't love and you're probably not following Jesus. It's that simple. I wanna talk to you about a a few of the many examples that I've seen of this kind of generous love in this community recently. The kind of love we're talking about is is Lauren Grant driving over eight hours around the Denver Metro area to bring all of our kids uh, movie night gift bags. It's the Beatlers uh, getting a crew and materials together to completely rebuild the fence of a recently widowed young mother or figuring out how to help their neighbor get a new roof. It's Keeley being a consistent friend and mentor to kids in foster care through CASA. It's Nate Gallenbeck uh, volunteering his time to help run these live streams with Jay and I. It's the Reinharts and the Waits adopting kids into their families. Talk about laying down your life for someone. It's the Galuzzi's adopting Reina, which Let's just take a moment to celebrate. Uh, Nate, Brandy, and Allie Galuzzi are adopting Reina into their family forever tomorrow, which is exciting. Can we just give them all a hand? I know it sounds really lame with just me clapping by myself here, but it's all I can do. So clap, scream, shout, wherever you are, the Galuzzi's are adopting Reyna tomorrow. Uh, we first met Reyna at our Royal Family Kids uh, Summer Camp several years ago. Um, and it's been so fun having her back around the community this past year or so. And I am so excited for her and the Galitzis to become forever family in less than 24 hours. Um, We love you Galitzis, all four of you. Uh, These are all fantastic examples, um, which are beautiful and wonderful and deserve all the celebration in the world. But the the kind of love we're talking about is not just these big things, it's also simple uh, everyday ways that we can show love to one another. It's in the simple thank you card that one of you sent me recently. It's uh, many of you asking how you can be praying for me and my family lately. Uh, It's the text or phone call from your friend or or family member just checking in to see how you're doing. It's handing food to someone begging on the side of the road. It's cleaning up your mess before your parents ask you to. It's shoveling the snow off your neighbor's sidewalks or driveway, even when they refuse to ever return the favor. Let's look at some of the examples that you've all been sharing in, in the chat here. I've been very excited about this all day. Keely said, a member of TNL once gifted me a laptop when I needed it to help facilitate a job transition. Uh, Bobby Reinhardt. so many people have invested so many hours in our family, babysitting, mentoring, bringing meals, providing respite, listening, praying. Uh, Nate said, being there when my last relationship ended abruptly. Uh, Carrie Strohmeyer mentioned what I mentioned earlier about Lauren bringing all of our kids goodie bags. She had to drive all over Denver and it took her two days and like at least eight hours. (laughs) Nikki Nikki Jo shared people uh, paying, you all paying extra during, when we used to have community dinners here together so that other people didn't have to pay. Uh, Sherry, uh, sharing a story of Nate and Brandy inviting her into their home group and how that group of people really um, came around her in a really difficult time. Nikki Jo shared a story about uh, people continually remembering something hard in her life every year, the anniversary of it, and continuing to check in with her. Brandy uh, can think of countless conversations with friends over, over cups of coffee and life struggles and joys. I, I have had so much coffee with all of you. Um, it's That's a weird thing to think about. I've had coffee, the cumulative result of the coffee dates that I've had with all of you have changed my life. And that's that's a simple act of love, sharing time with someone. And then lots of cheers for the Galutzis and for Lauren Grant. Thank you all for, for responding to those. Um, we have a really amazing community and So many of you are so generous in showing love to each other. So thank you. Um, What we're talking about is all these acts of generosity from grandiose to simple, all acts of reaching out in love to meet the needs of someone as you see them is what's in view here. But at the same time, I wanna be careful and make something very clear here about what this text doesn't say. Uh, For most of my life, especially growing up in church, when I heard passages of scripture or talks like this about um, proving that we are following Jesus through our actions, uh, I always felt an immense amount of anxiety and dread and fear. No matter what I felt, um, I felt the message was that I'm failing. I never felt like I was following Jesus or at least um, never felt like I was doing it well enough for him to be happy with me. So I'd hear talks like this and feel like I had to go out and try to be as loving as possible to as many people as possible to prove that I was in fact following Jesus. What I took away was kind of fake it till you make it. If I could make the external actions of my life mirror those of someone truly following Jesus from the inside out, maybe that would mean I was okay. You know what I mean? Loving others is the natural outcome of following Jesus. That's the sequence of events. Follow Jesus, which leads to love but I would try to reverse engineer it and love others to prove that I was following Jesus rather than doing the difficult and scary work of surrendering to God's love and grace, rather than addressing my unresolved sins before and with God, rather than actually giving God my heart and trusting. um, I try to earn a new heart by doing good things to make God happy and hope that that was enough to earn God's approval and enough to quell my anxiety. And hopefully if I'm honest, also enough to make everyone around me think that I must really be someone on the right path. So if you're at all feeling this way after hearing this tonight, let me assure you, trying to reverse engineer this, trying to fake this never works. We can fake being loving for a short period of time, but even when we have surrendered to Christ, even when we are following him, and loving others originates from the overflow of God's love for us, it's still difficult, extremely difficult at times. And none of us do it perfectly. It's almost impossible to do it consistently and well when we're faking it. It's hard to pretend like we're walking in the light when we're actually stumbling in the dark. This is what John is getting at. And then when we inevitably fail at faking it, we feel even more defeated and even more ashamed and even more lost than we did before. All we do is convince ourselves more and more that we're broken, that we're messed up, that there's something wrong with us, that we're incapable of loving others. And therefore we're probably not lovable ourselves, which usually just makes us try even harder and more desperately to prove that we're not broken, (laughs) which we inevitably, inevitably fail at. And the cycle just continues deeper and deeper and darker and darker each time. I was caught in that cycle for years. And let me tell you, it got real dark. And because of that, (laughs) I want to be sure to tell you what I don't ever remember hearing growing up. I probably, it was probably said to me, but it never registered. And I'm not sure if it would have helped. I think I had to learn the hard way. But I like to think that I could have maybe started reversing my downward spiral sooner. If someone had just said this to me, you are not a failure. God already loves you. God is not disappointed in you. God is trying to invite you in to draw you closer to him. The point of this passage isn't to guilt you into trying to do more things to please please God. The point of this passage is to help you stop and truly and honestly reflect on the character of your life. So if you're hearing this and you have a sneaking suspicion that love for others isn't a fundamental characteristic of your life, or you don't feel particularly generous, or you struggle with backing up um, your words with love in action, the point is not to rush out and try to do a bunch of loving things to get back on the good side of God or to prove that you're following Jesus the right way. God doesn't operate on karma. You can't earn his grace and love, they're they're already yours. So don't try to go out and fix your heart by faking your way through love. Instead, use this as an opportunity to pause and reflect on what, what might be hindering you from following Jesus more fully. I know that's a really nebulous question, but why do you struggle with loving others? There's probably a million obvious reasons or answers to that, but what is it for you? Why is it difficult for you to meet the needs of others when you see them? What does that trigger in you? Chances are there's something unresolved there that God is inviting you to revisit. God is drawing you closer to him. And maybe this wound that you've been carrying is the next thing he wants to heal. If you ever wanna talk through uh, what that might be for you, I would love to talk to you about it more. The most significant moments of growth and healing in my life have come through opening myself up to someone else and allowing them to speak into my life. Because none of us can see ourselves perfectly. We all need an outside perspective from time to time. We all need encouragement. We all need support. And that's my whole job (laughs) in a nutshell. So I would love to start that conversation um, with you if you're interested. Many of you have, many of you have my number call me, text me. If you don't have my number, email me. It's really easy. It's phil at tnl.org. You probably already have it memorized. God is drawing you closer to him. Like Jared talked about last week, you can resist that draw or you can choose to trust and start growing, healing, and loving. In short, you can start becoming the person that God created you to be, the person who you truly are. The way that we know that we are following Jesus is by putting our love in action. Let's pray. God, I feel like I have prayed this maybe billions of times at this point, And I hope to pray it billions more in my life, but um, God, thank you that we don't have to earn. (laughs) We don't have to earn your love. Thank you that we don't have to fake it and try to please you enough for you to notice us and take care of us and fix us and heal us and grow us. Thank you that you are trying to do that already for all of us. God, thank you for people in this community who have reminded me of who you created me to be and have pulled me out of times when I have tried to fake it and helped me see wounds that I've been carrying forever and didn't know about. God, thank you for the beautiful acts of love and generosity that happen all the time between members of this community. Thank you for people who lay down their lives for each other again and again and again. We love you, God, amen.